The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hello, this is Carl Hargrave. How you doing? This is Carl Hargrave. Uh, I'm sitting in right now for Ray Ellis on the Ray Ellis Show. I'll tell you what, it's a wonderful thing out there. It's a beautiful day out here in Phoenix. And as Ray would say, and I was on his show a couple of times, and as Ray would say, he's living like it matters right here in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's a wonderful thing. So, hey, uh, before we start today, I'll just give you a little introduction of myself. Uh, again, I was, uh, they call me Coach Carl. And uh, I've been uh, blessed throughout my career. Uh, I've coached in National Football League for a number of years, as well as major college. And so uh, it's great to have this opportunity, Ray, to give me this opportunity to come out here and, and uh, do his radio show uh, this afternoon, this wonderful Tuesday afternoon out here in Phoenix, Arizona. And as we work our way through today, uh, I want to make sure that uh, uh, that you have a clarity and clear understanding of the direction that we're going to go. But before I go any further, Further, I want to make sure that uh, uh, that we say uh, our heart goes out to the people over in uh, Japan uh, with the tsunami and the earthquake that they've dealt with and, and all the people around the world. It's great to see that everyone's coming together to lend a hand, lend a hand, give a hand and, uh, in any way that we can because, uh, you know, that was somebody's mother, that's somebody's father, that's someone's son and daughters out there. And so, uh, we want to, uh, you know, send our, our our blessings out to the people in Japan. Now, before we go any further as far as football goes, uh, I, you know, this is a sports show, and we're going to talk sports, obviously. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of football. We're going to hit it in a couple of different phases today. And uh, in, in the way I break it down is a segment. Uh, segment one, uh, obviously, is the first quarter. So we jump into the first quarter, and as you know, things are happening uh, every second of the day in the National Football League. Uh, you know, the lockout is not imminent. The lockout is here. And so right now, you know, players aren't going to the facilities. 
coaches, uh, some coaches are getting cut back in their pay because it doesn't look like there's going to be a season. Uh, owners are walking around scratching their head, I'm sure, might have some dandruff falling on their shoulders because of this crazy mess that we call the CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement, and how it affects all the people uh, involved. And when I say involved, I'm talking about players, I'm talking about coaches, I'm talking about fans, as well as the owners, okay? So everybody takes a hit when something of this magnitude uh, uh, is, is, uh, is in place. Um, we're going to be blessed today to have a couple of people uh, come on the show and uh, spend and give us their expertise as far as uh, how the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement or lack thereof is affecting, uh, affecting the people. But before I go uh, further, I'd like to make sure that we have clarity and uh, in the direction of the collective bargaining agreement and, and where the NFL is today. And the key word is today because, as I mentioned just previously, the things are always changing, and I'm sure they're changing as we speak. Okay, uh, now what I'd like to do is just give you a brief, uh, what I'd like to say is a, uh, a short, quick pencil, pin, tip of the pencil, tip of the pin uh, view on the history of the timeline that has taken place uh, throughout the years, okay? And so let's think this. Go back to 1968. All right, think about 1968. Where were you in 1968? Well, I know I was uh, uh, in Iowa, <laughs> okay? Iowa City, Iowa. Father just got back from uh, Vietnam and uh, fighting in the Vietnam War, and we moved to Iowa City, Iowa, and a uh, place to grow, I guess you'd say, but uh, I was running around thinking I was a Gail Sayers or an Otis Taylor or at one time a, a, a Jack Tatum type player, okay? And I might have been uh, seventh or eighth grade at that time. But at that time, uh, in 1968, the National Football League Players Association was recognized by the league, okay? The owners recognized the Players Association as a what you want to say, a representative for the players, okay? And uh, during it, it was a, a brief summer work stoppage during that time. Okay, now let's take it up. Um, you know, that was the end of the 60s decade, and let's go into the 70s decade. And uh, the NFLPA, uh, again, it certified in 1970. It, be, it was certified as uh, uh, by the National Labor Relations Board. And John Mackey, you know, all-pro, Hall of Fame, uh, John Mackey became the first president of the Players' uh, Union, okay? Now, in 1971, Ed Garvey was hired as the uh, executive director of the uh, uh, National Football Players Association. And, you know, during that time, they had some uh, – uh, they, they, matter of fact, they filed an uh, antitrust uh, in 71 against the, uh, against the owners, against the league, uh, uh, seeking uh, uh, the elimination of the uh, Roselle rule at that time. And that rule basically, just in a nutshell, was that uh, the Pete Roselle, the commissioner, uh, could uh, award equal compensation 
to a team losing a free agent, a guy that just goes on. So, you know, nothing gained, nothing ventured, nothing gained there. So we go to uh, 1977, uh, and then that was the year that uh, John Mackey won the union and John Mackey won uh, an antitrust lawsuit against the National Football League. Uh, But they basically got uh, limited free agency and compensation under that CBA. So now the key words that we're talking about CBA, basically what we're talking about, and you'll see it all the way through, is the whole mentality of what? Free agency, a player having an opportunity to go and make a living, and and as, as well as compensation as to how much money can that player uh, uh, be able to make. Now that's 1977. Now let's move into the next decade, 1980s. Uh, Gene Upshaw, uh, became the uh, union president in 1980, okay? And then uh, you think about in 1983, okay, uh, Gene Upshaw takes over as the executive director of the Players Association. And then, as we all know, we go into 1987, and uh, that was one of the toughest uh strangest times in the National Football League history uh, when the the union and the players went on strike after two games. And then that time the owners, which, you know, you know, that's one of those things. They got the money. They can do what they want to do. They felt that the heck with the players, basically a heck with the coaches, that we will sign some replacement players after missing a, a week of uh, games. They signed uh, – some replacement players, and uh, and then they staged three football games at that time, and and during that time, the players, you know, not as strong as as they are now by any means. A number of the players, a number of Hall of Famers, also they uh, they crossed the picket line and rejoined their teams, and then after about twenty four days, uh, the union, you know, voted to end the strike, and and subsequently there was a fifteen game uh, season played at that time. Okay, and so now let's move into 1989, and they've got what they call a limited free agent system. Okay, and that's what it's all about. Everyone's trying to get free agency. Let me move to the next team, or let me move over here and 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 showcase my skills so that I have an opportunity to make more money. Okay, and so uh, Plan B begins. You know, the quotations Plan Bs, and and basically what that was is just uh, allowed some uh, number of players, uh, teams uh, protected a number of players, but they gave them the right to match offers uh, uh, from uh, uh, other teams, uh, as well as uh, receive their compensation. So, and and during that time is nineteen. That is the initial time that the National Player Association. Uh, decertified as a union, and much like what you're seeing today. And it's my understanding that they've decertified, and what that allows the players to do is to take their individual cases, because now the players are saying, hey, I'm an independent contractor, and that allows me to take my my, uh, case to court and stating that that they're uh, stopping me from uh, uh, making a living, basically – doing the best that I can do in my trade, okay? So they're not able to do that as a as a collective union, okay, per se. 
Okay, at that time, 1989, uh, Pete Rosell was the owner. I mean, excuse me, he was the commissioner, and he resigned as the commissioner in 1989. And as you'll remember, a number of years back, Paul Tagliabue uh, took over. Okay, so now let's jump to the 90s, all right? And uh, at that time, I'm just going to give you a couple of key a key names. A guy named, a running back named Freeman McNeil played with the New York Jets. And there were seven other players who were, who were restricted under Plan B, so saying that they could not go anywhere else. And they, they, all they could do is just match. They didn't have an opportunity to really go anywhere else and play. The teams could match uh, whatever offers that they had, and they had to stay. And at that time, uh, the... Uh, that's what they were pursuing at that time. And so now you think about 1993, and that was a very pivotal year uh, in the uh, negotiations. And the late, great Reggie White of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, he filed a class action lawsuit, and uh, new negotiations began under uh, and the, you know the CBA uh, that results from those talks uh, it opened up the free agency and obviously brought in at that time in 93 the salary cap. So, uh, you know, Reggie White, thank a great player. Uh, and I know that uh, Ray Ellis, you know, has got a great heart for, for Reggie White. And they played together over there at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, now, now we look from 93, and that happened in 93. Now, think about this. It was a three-year extension of the CBA, went from 96, and at that time they extended it another two years in 98, and then they extended it another two years, okay? 2000, the year 2000 comes along, and Upshaw and Taglaboo get together, and they work out another extension, and then in 2002, there was a four-year extension added to the uh, CBA collective bargaining agreement, and it was completed at that time. Okay, now uh, now we're, we're rolling right into the 2000, 2006, just so you know. Um, Taglibu was that his last major act as a commissioner, uh, they negotiated another extension, and there were two teams that voted against it, and one was... Uh, uh, the Buffalo Bills and uh, Ralph Wilson and the owners, and then also the Cincinnati uh, with, with uh, the Brown family, and they voted against it. Now, you know, obviously they're <laughs> kind of wishing that everybody else would have jumped on on the ship with them at that time. Now, and uh, after 2008, um, 2006, uh, Roger Goodell was uh, – elected as a commissioner, and uh, uh, Tagler Boo retired at that time. And so now we have uh, Roger Goodell as a commissioner. 2008 comes along. Uh, you know, now the owners are saying it's costing too, the cost is too high, and we need to give, give some, the players need to give some stuff back, money back, as a matter of fact. That's the stuff that they're talking about. And, uh, in 2010, we'll have no salary cap. Now, in 2008, Gene Upshaw uh, uh, passed, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, great offensive guard with the uh, Oakland Raiders and director of the National Players Football Association, executive director. He passed, okay? Now, here we are. Uh, <clears throat> now, we're going to come 
to a break, and I look forward to talking with you. We'll come back here in a couple of minutes. Thank you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spies are especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You already get the general sports headlines and discussion on TV and radio. Tune in to The Blueprint with Randall Gatewood. Yeah, we'll cover all the general big-name stuff, too, but we go beyond the typical sports radio show to bring you the details you don't get anywhere else. We'll talk about the inspirational stories and the little-known successes. If you want creativity, The Blueprint is the place to be. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, we're coming back at you. Again, we want to thank you for uh, being here with us today and, and, and enjoying the show. Again, this is Carl Hargrave, Coach Carl Hargrave, and I'm in here sitting in for Ray Ellis on his show today. And we've just gone through a number of different things as far as dealing with the uh, uh, situation in the National Football League right now, how it affects players, how it affects uh, owners, how it affects fans, and, and number one, to me, in my heart, how it affects the coaches. And uh, with us today, I'll tell you what is really great, I've got uh, Mr. Larry Kennan, and Larry has been, you know, a tremendous uh, uh, asset and resource. He's been a, uh, he coached at the National Football League for 16 years, and then after that, he, he took on the, uh, took the, uh, put us all on his shoulders, and uh, he's been the executive director of the National Football League Coaches Association. Association, and for the last 13 years. Larry, so thank you for coming on today and spending time with us, Larry. Well, it's my pleasure. You know, it's, uh, it's about football, and if it's about coaches, then I'll, I'll talk to anybody about that because it's important uh, to, to coaches that we be represented and that people understand that we're affected by all this stuff that's going on, too. Oh, wonderful. I tell you what, it, and, and that's true because, you know, you think about the day. Sometimes I sit back and I think, uh, you know, you think about the players are on one side, one tree, and the the uh, owners are on the other tree, and we're in, the, as coaches, we're in the middle in a hammock, and the hammock got a hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. You know, because we've been listening to all this lockout stuff for for a long time, and uh, the rhetoric going back and forth on the negotiations, it's all been about the players and, and owners, and rightfully so because, you know, they're two, two of the very important parts of the game. But the coaches are a, a third part of the game that's very important because without – Without real good coaching, players couldn't uh, get to be as good as they are, and and the game would uh, without good coaching, the game wouldn't be as nearly as good as it is, and and so coaches are important too, and we're we've been uh, greatly affected by this lockout, and will the longer it goes on, the more we'll be affected. Oh sure, and I tell you what, you know, and and you hit it right on the head. I you know, players play, the coaches coach, and and the owners need to stay back and just enjoy the game, the product. <laughs> you know, and uh, the coaches having an opportunity to be out there and be represented, uh, I think that's that's big because for so long there was no representation for the coaches. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct, you know, and for a long time, uh, you know, there was no place to call where we could get any information about stuff, you know, about our, you know, about, there was a lot of questions about retirement, about pension, about insurance, about a lot of things, and there was really no place to call. And so, you know, not only do we represent coaches, but we were a source of, of uh, you know, interest for them so they can call and, and, uh, and know and find out the information that they need to find out. Uh, you know, and, and the, the interesting thing is that, you know, w- once we decided to, to start this association and you were in the league when we did, you know, people began to look at us differently. When we said we're going to stand up and be an association and we're going to speak with one voice, then you know it put it put some importance to us, and we put a, a value on ourselves. Sure. And as you know, when you put a value on yourselves, then other people look at you differently, and they put a better value on you. And and that's happened over the course of time since we became an association. Well, yeah, I agree with that, man. I remember that first day down there at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> we were out there, and and uh, you know all the eyes, all the coaches we met out there, and. Uh, and that was something when you first kind of got it going, and yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the, all the eyes of the owners and the, and and players and you know the the media. Who wait a minute? These coaches are coming together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's been, big. it's been an interesting time, and uh, you know over the course of probably the last four or five years, you know we've uh, the owners have uh, because of the economic situation and because maybe they've lost a little respect for us. They've you know they've taken a few things back from us and. And then three years ago, we started seeing uh, lockout clauses in, in the coaches' contracts, which said in the event of a lockout, coaches will take uh, a pay cut. And, and there's differences for every team. Every team has their own. But, but there are going to be three or four teams uh, currently who have already taken a pay cut. And then if this thing goes 60 days, uh, a number of teams will will take a pay cut. And I don't know if if you've ever taken a pay cut, Carl, but if you take a 25 or 30 percent pay cut, that's a lot of money. That's a lot you know, of money. Cause, yes, cause most people, most people live on basically what they make, and now you take 25 or 30 percent of that away for an indefinite period of time, and, and it's a difficult deal. And and we feel like you know why why are we being forced to give up money when we have nothing to do with this collective bargaining agreement? We're just we're trying to do our job, and that's coach players. And we're not allowed to even talk to players, and they want us to work full time and take a pay cut. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to us, and no. so so we're naturally not really excited about it. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, that's I'm not coaching right now, and I'm upset about it because it affects the 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 other coaches and young coaches coming up, as well as the coaches that have been there yeah, and that yeah. that build their lives around that. Right, and it's a, it's one of those times too when when the owners are telling the the coaches, look, don't tell anybody what's in your contract about the lockout clauses, and don't tell anybody uh, what we're doing as far as you know making you take a pay cut. And so, and, and there, you know, there's some, you know, and you've been there because there's some threats from the owners to the coaches that, you know, if you if you're telling what's in your contract, you know, you're you you could get fired over that, and and so it's it's really a hard time for coaches because, you know, we're we're uh, being asked to take uh, pay cuts, and, and and then they're telling us you can't tell anybody about it, you right. know, and, and so, you know, and, and the obvious reason is. Because obviously the owners are embarrassed about the fact that they're doing it to us. Yeah. Oh, exactly. They've got to be. I mean, and that's when you think about that. Now, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. Is that did I read somewhere or hear somewhere that uh, that the head coaches don't aren't affected by it, just the assistants? No. In 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 most cases, and there's a probably a few head coaches who aren't affected by it because they had enough clout to get it. negotiated in their contract but most of the head coaches are affected in the same way most okay. of the head coaches will take a pay cut also and uh, you know they can afford it a little more but still <laughs> it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter when you, anybody's taking a pay cut that's a hard deal well and that's why it's so important i think to to uh to build the the, the coaches association and come under one as you said earlier one collective voice so yeah, that I, and I, yeah, I can I can speak for them, and they don't have to, right. to get out there because a lot of guys would like to speak out, but they know better because they you know they're afraid they'll get fired and blackballed and all kinds of stuff. And so I can speak for them, and 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 they can't get me, uh, whereas they could get the coach if if they try to to do that. Sure, sure. Well, that's and that's that's the importance of having having you in that position. And I you know I want to thank you you know, for all the stuff that you've done uh, for the coaches over the years and, and you know, taking that, you know, you're taking the bullets. <laughs> you, you take the hit. <laughs> keep your, hey, as you always said out there on the field, hey, keep your pad level down. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, I, when I took this job, I was I was advised by a couple people, uh, you know, they said, look, you, you don't want to do that because if you ever do that for two or three or four years, you'll never get a job coaching in this league again because yeah. you're going to really make some people angry. And, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and yeah. haven't really wanted to get back in the league in coaching, but but I, I don't think that there's any chance I could, even if I wanted to, because uh, I've, I've made some owners pretty angry. Well, that's, you know, but you still, you stand, you know what I mean? And that's, that's what it's all about, uh, you know, being able to stand and not, you know, take a take a take a shellacking and and then you know and then fall but you've got coaches that are standing for you and you're standing for the coaches now now how do you think now what year did the coach association move into the same complex with the national uh, with the players association in in 98 okay 98 that's okay yeah and i i went up they asked me to do it on a temporary basis in 98 and so i went up on during the week, I was living in Boston, and because and, I last coached with the Patriots, and and went up to to D.C. and established an office up there, and then I was going to do it for, you know, eight or nine months, and then go back to coaching, and then the the coaches asked me to keep doing it and hired me to do it full time. So, I said yes. I'm not sure if that was a good thing to do or not, but but it's been a lot of fun 
up to this point. Oh, great. I'll I, I tell you what, it's, uh, you've done a great job, and I really appreciate you coming on. And we're going to be uh, working our way to a break right about now. So uh, if you'd like to just come back on right after the break, I'd love to have you on. I'm going to have, uh, I think Pat Thomas is going to come on too for okay. a little bit. and just dash. So if you've got a couple of minutes, I'd really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. Just When you're done with me, just let me know and I'll hang up. Okay, all right. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Yeah, well, okay, we're taking a break, and uh, we'll come right back to you. All right, thank you. That don't kill me can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now, because I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now, because I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now. That's how long I've been on you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Get ready for a show that's going to take it to the next level of sports talk. Get ready for Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. He's got 12 years of broadcast experience as an analyst for ESPN SportsCenter and NFL Live. And he has 10 years experience as a player with the Seahawks, Colts, Vikings, and Chargers, as well as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. You'll hear the truth and not the sidelines. Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. Is not for the faint of heart. Tune in every weekday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. CoastToCoastMixtapes.com. All right, we're going to be working our way right back into. Right, working our way right back into it. Uh, on the, uh, we've got uh, Larry Kennan right there for the executive director with the National Football uh, Coaches Association. And Larry, again, thank you for being on our show today. And you know, I'm not going to hold you that much longer, but I sure appreciate you coming on. Now, think about this: nine billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think they'd be able to figure out how to divide that up, wouldn't you? <laughs> now, we're not talking nickels and dimes here. We're talking billions. Yes, it, sir. Is that not? <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. What would we do with that, huh? Yeah, and, and you know, what we're asking for isn't going to cost them very much, so we're, we're just asking them to do a couple things for us, and uh, as they are for the players and, and themselves, and so we'll see because it, it, it's an interesting time in the NFL, and at some point they're going to get this 
CBA done, and it'll get settled, and then we're going to ask him to do a few small things for the coaches that will make us feel like feel important like we ought to feel important in this league because we do a great job and we're the, uh, arguably the best coaches in the world and, uh, and uh, we're at the highest level you can be at and uh, we, we deserve at least a, every coach in the NFL at least deserves to have a pension and right oh. now a number of teams don't have that. Well, that and that's just recently changed too, wasn't it? Yes, I think. It yeah, it was March of 09. Okay, that's what I was thinking. That, yeah, and that's that. Now that's tough right there. So the, the guys that are coming in, the old, the older guys that are there, they still have their pension, but the new guys coming in to those particular teams don't have a pension? That's correct. Okay, okay. So is there, uh, is there anything that the, the coaches can do? Uh, I mean, what would you suggest that a coach would do? He comes into that, partic- that particular team. It's not even well, through the NFL. You know what? Number one, team, coaches are going to go to to teams that have a pension if they have a choice. Right. So sure. The teams that have better benefits are going to are going to be better coached over over a course of time. Uh, and and the the other thing that we can do is stand up and say with one voice, look, we we deserve to have a pension, and you can certainly afford to to give us a pension. So. And we would like the pension reinstated, or we would like something equally as good, maybe in a different form. But and we'd like to have a little say in what's good, yeah. and that because every NFL coach deserves to have a pension. They 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 have for for many many years. For sure. years, we've had a wonderful pension, and <clears throat> now all of a sudden, because there was a glitch in the economy, we don't have a pension anymore. Yeah. And you know, that's not right. No, not when you're talking about nine billion. That's exactly right. <laughs> there was no glitch in the economy in the National Football League. I guarantee you that. And you and I, you know, you know that. And uh, you know, the owners aren't losing money, no, and, the po- and the popularity of the game is as great as it's ever been. You know, and we're at the height of it. So that's uh, that's tremendous. Well, well, Larry, I, I, you know, again, I, I don't know that Pat's going to be on right now, but uh, I just wanted to uh, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and, uh, and and giving us your expertise and your knowledge and taking your time out for me. For you, Carl, anytime. Just give me a call. I'm glad to come on and talk to you anytime. Well, thank you so much, Larry, and uh, I'll be in touch with you. Got it. Thanks. Hey, thank you. And, again, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Larry uh, for coming on. He did a great job just to give you an idea that not only are the players affected and not only are the, the, the fans affected, but the coaches are affected by what is happening here uh, as far as taking pension cuts and health care and that. So that, uh, that is something that we really want to uh, take into consideration, how we can help the coaches. And, and at some point in time, uh, you know, there's youth coaches out there, there are high school coaches out there, there are, there are college coaches, and everybody has the level in their mind set on what level that they want to go to. But if you have an opportunity and you're blessed and, and you do all those things that uh, and, and the good Lord blesses you to, to coach in the National Football League, there's, there's nothing like it in the world. So uh, I just want to say thank you and, and bless all the coaches out there that, that lend themselves to development of players at every level. Uh, now, I'm, did, uh, is Pat, did Pat Thomas get on there? Does anyone know? Okay, uh, Pat's not there yet, so I look forward. Pat's going to be on. Uh, hopefully, he'll get on as All-Pro cornerback and uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the direction that we're going with is, as we just talked about, is is uh, and and you'll hear this 
on when I, when I start doing my particular show. We'll break it down. I like to laugh. I want to, I love to laugh out there, and I'm going to spell it this laugh a little bit different. The laugh I'm talking about is life after football, L-A-F, and those are uh, the, the uh, that's very important. And when I talk about life after football, I'm not just talking about a football coach or a football player. I'm talking about an executive that has done something all his life. He's, his passion was being a, a business manager or a high executive in a, in a, in a, in a business or a, a school teacher that's taught for 30 years. And all of a sudden, they're not doing what they've uh their passion is and and uh and the direction they want to go and so how do you deal with that change how do you deal what motivates you to keep moving forward what mo- what's your motivation uh to uh to be the best that you can be and to change careers and that's that's a daunting that can be a very daunting task uh when all of a sudden you're not doing what you think you've been built to do. And uh, in my own mentality, I went through a little bit of that, uh, having coached, again, uh, uh, 11 years in the National Football League and about 30 years over, about uh, 17 years in major college football. And so all of a sudden not coaching football, not being on that particular field, and that is where my passion is. But now what is my motivation to change? And so there is life, I guarantee you, in any position, anything that you're doing out there in life, there is life after football. Okay, so now before, uh, as a wait on Pat, if he can get there, and we'll talk about those things, let's talk about what's really happening out there right now. Starting tonight, starting tonight, we've got what you want to call March Madness jumping out, and they're rolling hard and fast. And as you know, a couple of years ago, um, it might have been two, maybe three years ago, I'm not exactly sure, but they came out with a, a, an alternative bracket, all right, to allow other teams, teams that are worthy, and there are some teams that are worthy that didn't get into the to the uh, national tournament. But uh, we've got uh, today. There's starting today. Uh, UT San Antonio is going to play Alabama State in the first round. Okay, and then uh, University Alabama Birmingham is going to play Clemson. Okay, and then I think tomorrow USC uh, is going to play uh, <clears throat> a Virginia Commonwealth. I think that's Virginia Commonwealth. Uh, and then also uh, tomorrow, uh, University of uh, North Carolina at Asheville, and they're going to play Arkansas uh, Little Rock. Okay, and so those are teams that are on the edge teams. But they, they, hey, all you got to do is get in, and you've got an opportunity to win. You can't win if you don't get in. Okay, and so as we talk about the NCAA bracket, I tell you, it's going to be a good one this year. Uh, everybody is playing. They're playing all of these teams right now. I watched a, a number of the games this past weekend of the tournaments, and the top teams are playing good ball, and that is really important. Whenever you look up and you see top teams, Ohio State, you know, they beat Michigan this past weekend for the championship, and or excuse me, they uh, they they beat Michigan and then they had to play 
uh, Penn State for the championship. But Ohio State, that is a basketball-playing team right now, and they've had some problems over over the uh, over the last uh, what do we want to say six months in uh, Ohio State in that program now. But they hang in there. You know, I've got a number of friends of mine. Matter of fact, Ray Ellis, a Ray Ellis show. He's a graduate of the the Buckeye land, but. Uh, and so uh, they're playing good ball. They're rated the number one. They're seated number one in the East bracket. And then uh, number two is North Carolina, you know, and they're 26 and 7 in that East bracket. And Kentucky and Syracuse, those are three and four. Kentucky's four and Syracuse is three. And so that's. Uh, uh, that's that's going to be a heck of a, uh, a heck of a uh, bracket right there, and then you go into that West bracket with Duke uh, is number one, and Duke you know they're thirty and four and they're playing good ball. So uh, and San Diego State, <clears throat> let's think about San Diego State thirty two and two, and I believe the only two games they lost was to BYU, <laughs> and so. Uh, that they are playing excellent ball, and they're rated number two in the West. And then number three is Connecticut, and they were twenty six and nine. Now UConn's had some issues there. You know, coach uh, got got into a little uh, uh, some stuff going on uh, as far as uh, I thought it was recruiting or something. But you know, coach there Calhoun has done a tremendous job all throughout his career. Uh, great players come out of there. The program has always been uh, integrity, and 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 they've just done great. So he'll fight through that. And then also Texas. Now you know when you think about the Longhorns, very seldom do you think I'm a football guy. So I don't think about the Burn Orange playing basketball. But they're doing uh, they're doing a great job. I know that. So uh, and they they ended up uh, 27 and seven. So. That's a good basketball team. And then, you know, Arizona. Let's talk about Arizona. Uh, the coach has done a great job. Matter of fact, uh, he stepped in when Lute Olson left. And, you know, I always want to say, uh, give my regards to Lute Olson. My brother played for him at the University of Iowa uh, back in the late 70s. And, um, you know, Lute is, is a tremendous man and uh, obviously is a tremendous coach and did a lot of great things for the University of Arizona down there. So, that's tremendous. Uh, now, when you talk about the Southwest, you know, they'll be playing that Final Four down, or excuse me, they'll be playing in uh, uh, San Antonio, working their way to San Antonio for the Sweet 16 and then getting to Houston for the Final Four. Uh, Kansas. Now, they, they play hoops in Kansas, as we know, over the years, all the great players that have come out and that are doing their thing at the uh, at, at University of Kansas. And I look up and I still see, you know, one of their greatest players of all time, Danny Manning on the on the bench coaching them. Uh they're thirty two and two. They can beat anybody in the in the in the league. They played some good ball the other night. And then uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I still think when I think about Notre Dame uh basketball, it takes me all the way back to the Austin Carr days. When they had that they had those five brothers out there running around playing and shooting baskets and people, you know, booing them. But, yeah, they went out and played some good ball over the years. So, uh, and they're number two, Purdue, Big Ten. You know, I've got a heart for the Big Ten, 25 and 7. They're number three. And then Louisville, who is always tough. Louisville over the years is always tough. So, uh, I look uh, look forward to the Southwest Division. Now you go into the Southeast and Pittsburgh, number one. 
uh, Florida, uh, number two, uh, Wisconsin, number four, and then BYU, who, again, they got that uh, uh, Jeffrey Fredette or Jimmy, Jimmer Fredette, who is a, a he is a basketball playing Jesse. <laughs> right there. He is putting points on the board and really enjoying, I'm enjoying watching him play. He's all over the court and doing his thing. So uh, I tell you what, as we as we start to wind down for a break here, just think about, I know it's bracket time, so I kind of gave you an idea of, of how you're going to set it. Now, I didn't talk about the sleepers and didn't have an opportunity to talk about the, uh, the Cinderella's because, you know, they break out their, 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 their pink pumps, and next thing you know, they're in the championship game doing their thing. So as we work our way out, we're going to take a break, coming to a break, and we look forward to uh, you guys sitting right there, and we're coming back with you a little bit. Thank you. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. High school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Get the inside scoop on the Georgia Bulldogs. Tune in to Keelan Johnson on College Football Game Day on the radio and every day on KeelanJohnson.com. On Keelan's Keeping It Real Radio, you can talk to Keelan and his former teammates about the Bulldogs, college football, and all things sports. Keelan's the go-to analyst for Bulldog football on pre- and post-game television on KeelanJohnson.com. And now, every week on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in every college game day for Keelan Johnson, Keeping It Real Radio. Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Oh, like that sound. Sound of sports. Yeah. All right. Boy, I tell you what, thank you so much coming back. Well, I like that sound. We get it going and we get it pumped up in here a little bit. Now, as mentioned before, I've got on the phone right now former all-pro cornerback, Los Angeles Rams, played in the Super Bowl, uh, played eight years in the National Football League, and I know he's my best friend, and it's great to have Pat Thomas. Pat, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm having a wonderful day uh, here in uh, sunny Las Vegas. <laughs> sunny Las Vegas. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah. Hey, it's wonderful. I, I tell you what, Pat, you know, we're here, and I know just giving you a little bit of your background, how long did you coach? Uh, I actually coached for about uh, 16 seasons. 16 seasons. I tell you what. So you've played eight, 
Coach 16. And so now what direction? What are you doing now, Pat? Well, right now I'm actually uh, in the construction industry. Uh, I basically started uh, uh, in the construction area with divisions 10, 11, and 12, which is mostly interior work. And I've graduated over the last uh, five to six years to uh, basically uh, being a developer. Oh, wonderful, Pat. I tell you what, now, you know, and, and I'm glad you said that because where we're at right now, it, you know, at some point in time, you got to hang up the cleats. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and you know, w- what you do then, when when that happens, it changes for every person. And the cleats don't have to be on, on the football field cleats, but they've got, you know, in-life cleats. So what, what, what was your motivation in, in, in the direction that you've chosen? Well, you know what, uh, Carl, uh, my, uh, uh, when, I, when I played uh, high school football, uh, I think it started there. You know, it's, uh, I started being recruited by colleges, and at the time, uh, the decision on which college I would go to, uh, uh, since I was all state and had uh, a bunch of people recruiting me, uh, the decision on which school I went to had nothing to do with football. It had to do with education and opportunity to succeed uh, once football was passed. Uh, because you never know at any time when you could get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, something could happen in your life that takes away your physical ability to perform on the field. So, you know, I set a priority as a young kid to try to be successful in life uh, in general, and if things worked out in football, hey, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. And uh, I, was, I was pretty fortunate that way. Well, things did work out for you in football. You were one of the top players of, you know, and I always say of all time coming out there playing that cornerback spot. I mean, you were skinny and small, but you could run and hit. <laughs> 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 when, you, when you're as small as I was, you would have to run and hit or get off the field, one of the two. So I imagine you take that same mentality right now into your business world. Well, you know what? I, I have the, a similar work ethic uh, uh, in the business arena that I did as a player and as a coach. And as much as um, I realize that uh, dedication, sacrifice, and uh, focus and concentration are key elements to winning. Uh, in football, I, as a player, we always use those principles in order to win. And one happened to be a state champion uh, in high school and was fortunate enough to be uh, number one in the nation uh, in college football. Sure, sure I remember and, that. And uh, then uh, was fortunate enough to to be in the Super Bowl as a player in the NFL. And one of the things I did learn about winning is basically that you can't step out on the field and think that your God-given talent is going to win for you. Uh, It takes preparation, sacrifice, and dedication, and all of those things. And and I've tried to take those and uh, move those into each area of adjustment in my life. Uh, from playing to to coaching, right, and uh, from coaching uh, most definitely into the business world. Well, I'll tell you what, and that's and this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, everybody in the audience. Again, we've got Pat Thomas, 
uh, online right here. And, and again, Pat was all pro uh, cornerback who's gone on. And we talk about life after football. When you hang up the cleats, where do you go? What do you do? And as Pat mentioned, that you've got to be prepared, dedicated, and then sacrifice. Now, this, and I hope everyone out there, whether whether you're in the business world, whether you're a high schooler playing uh, uh, high school sports, and it doesn't matter whether it's football, track, uh, soccer, uh, badminton, whatever, uh, these principles that Pat has talked about, these are principles that you can utilize for the rest of your life. And, and Pat, you've done a tremendous job, you know, obviously up there in, in the business sector. What do you think is your toughest, what's the toughest thing that you deal with now? You don't have to deal with shoulder pads and hot, and, well, you do, do, you have to deal with the heat and sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You know, the the, the most important thing that uh, I have to deal with now is that balancing the books and uh, uh, a forethought. Uh, in other words, uh, just like Coach Knox used to say, pro- proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Uh, and the major thing that I have to do now is that I have to think six months to a year ahead of where I am with all the steps that I make in order to manage what I'm doing today. Yeah. And that's probably the, the one of the biggest changes. I, football was week to week, typically. Uh, and you always thought about your end goal being the championship. Well, you know, we uh, went six months to get to the championship, but... Uh, in the business world, if you know you haven't did a five-year business plan, you're in trouble. Okay. And if you're not living a year ahead of a schedule, uh, you're going to find bumps in the road. <laughs> so uh, those those are the things that I think have been the biggest change. Well, you know, when you think about that, just living further ahead and planning that far ahead, it looks to me like now. You know, I'm just reading things and not reading into anything, but it looks to me like the owners. <laughs> they planned ahead <laughs> with this $9 billion that's out there trying to figure out how they split it up. But they planned ahead so that this lockout would come to fruition. And I'm, I'm sorry I bounced back over that way, but still, <laughs> you know, it's uh, and they planned well ahead to do it. Now, hopefully some of the players have planned uh, that that was something that could possibly happen and that they've uh, utilized their uh, – their funds in the proper way so that they can, you know, go through this movement too. And because there, there are times when everyone, you know, in the league has those rough roads, those rough times, right? Uh, absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, the, the difference between the players and the coaches with regard to planning and uh, is that there are fewer numbers uh, with owners than there are with players. And just so happens, the broader the numbers, the more diversity and matter of opinions and matter of facts and more things you bring into the picture. And in order to come out with something that's united, it can be very, very uh, convoluted. And uh, I, I think that that's one of the problems with the players where the owners can have a single focus because their numbers are uh, not quite the same uh, as the players. Sure, sure. But, well, and thinking about the United part of it, heck, they should get the coaches involved because the coaches help unite the football team when it's time to play. 
you understand what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> well, well, absolutely, you know, and, uh, you know, that's always well thought out, uh, especially after going through the coaching career you went through and me having been a player, I, I didn't think much of coaches personally. Uh, as a player, but then when I became a coach, uh, I had a bunch of people that didn't think much of me, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's kind of hard to to get both of those guys together, you know. It's the guy that's telling you what to do to keep his job, and the guy that's saying, I'm going to do what I want to do to to make sure that I I get to where I want to be, and that conflict sometimes causes... uh uh, separation yeah. of state with uh, players and coaches, but if if they're ever going to have a united front, I, they have to have the collective unit that hits the field and wins championships as one. Sure, and that's that's that you know interesting. That's at every level, and that's in every business. You know, do you see that with your with your organization? You know, yeah, everyone's got to come together. So, Pat, what you know, we've got about a minute to go here, and so what would you give? Uh, what would you give uh, the people right now that you think? What, what is your number one uh, suggestion or, or thought line that you would give? Leave them with. Well, you know, the thing that I'd leave you with is I was brought on to talk about the transformation from playing and uh, to the uh, uh, to uh, the business world or moving from playing to coaching and then into the business world. And the one thing I'd like for everybody to understand is that you got to understand in sports that nobody plays forever, uh, that uh, the gifts that God gives you, he gives them to you to use for specific reasons. Uh, mentally, he gives you the ability to learn, and nobody can ever take that away. Even though a wreck could take your football career away, nobody can stop you uh from keeping the mental capacity that you have. Uh, the things that you should stress to do is to make sure that your priorities are in line right. and that uh, you, you try to make sure you're the best that you could be and understand that Sports don't last always. Well, I'll tell you what, Pat, that's wonderful, buddy. And I, I again, uh, folks, we've got Pat Thomas on the on the line, and we're getting ready to wind down and uh, close the show out today. But I want to thank everybody for listening, uh, great listening audience, and it was wonderful to have Larry Kennan on, uh, executive director of the uh, National Coaches Association. And I really thank my buddy Pat for coming on today and talking to us about life after football and how we can be the best we can be when we're finished when we think we're done we threw those cleats in and hey they went from the closet to the garage and now they're at the garage sale and so we want to make sure that that we live that good life and so pat i'll talk with you later thank you so much for coming on and thank, thank you. you for being here today on the ray ellis show and this is coach carl hargraves signing off all right, thank you guys. Rain day, day, rain man is back. With little Miss Sunshine, Rihanna, where you at? You have my heart, and we'll never be worlds apart. Maybe in magazines. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program, brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericasports.com.
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.